Let's go to John chapter 1 together. get to it in a minute. You just go ahead and go there if you don't mind. Um, one of the things that um, has become a part of Christmas for our church the last couple of years, something called Advent Conspiracy, and um, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And I'm not going to even begin to get into what it's all about. Uh, if you are here for the first time, um, the next time you're on the web, go to adventconspiracy.org and you can see all about it. Uh, or you can go to our homepage and you can read about it as, there as well. Um, but one of the things that, um, that I really like about uh, this Advent Conspiracy, we'll just call it a campaign. It's not a campaign, it's not a movement, it's kind of a something else. So whatever I call it, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, one of the things about it that's, that is really cool is that these pastors kind of put this concept together, and um, it's just like, this is what it is, and um, if you want to download these videos or logos or whatever to use, you can, but you take this concept and you you pray and see how, how God would take it and apply it in your church context. Um, so all over the country and probably all over the world by now, there are churches participating in this thing um, called Advent Conspiracy underneath these ideas, but it's fleshing out in really unique ways everywhere. And uh, it's very, very cool to see the creativity of the Lord and to use different people's giftings and stuff. Um, and so for us, uh, this is our third year to do it, and each year it's looked kind of the same but kind of different. Um, and some of that is, is you know, I think God just kind of working, working with us as we grow and stuff and making some adjustments here and there as needed. Um, but I think, too... As our understanding of uh, the incarnation of Christ deepens, uh, it should naturally, like things should change. You know, things about us, things about the way we do things should all kind of uh, evolve and progress forward, you know. And so, uh, you know, a lot of us didn't come from church traditions where Advent was uh, a part of it. Um, and you know, maybe uh, maybe there was an Advent wreath, you know, with a candle for each Sunday, each of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, which was the fifth candle and stuff. Uh, but one of the one of the dangers is that Advent just becomes kind of a spiritual word to replace with Christmas. You know, like um, like I said a few minutes ago, that was one of my favorite Advent songs, and it'd be real easy for me to just like like, well, I'm I'm really I'm really spiritual, so. I celebrate Advent, not Christmas. Those are Advent gifts. Those are Advent cards. Those are Advent lights. Those are, you know, just kind of slide that in there or whatever. Um, and it, it's not a replacement term. Um, it's, it's not how it works. Um, and, and so I think when we start looking at what Advent is, uh, with that comes, like, kind of historically, how Advent has been used in the life of, of the church over, over the years. Um, and kind of having that kind of understanding of it as well. So Advent means uh, it means coming or it means arrival. Um, so we're talking about the the arrival of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. Um, and one of the things Advent conspiracy 
has, and it's not one of their four big ideas or four main ideas or anything like that, but it's a part of all their, uh, you know, their advertisements or whatever you want to call them. It, it says, enter the story. Enter the story. And I think the, the logical leap is enter the Christmas story. You know, Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, donkeys, shepherds, angels, you know, the manger scene kind of deal. Uh, but but I think it's it's bigger it's bigger than that. I think Advent is bigger than that, and I don't know what the Advent conspiracy people mean when they say enter the story. Um, but I like the fact that they leave it kind of vague and it kind of lets God bring it to us, you know, kind of uniquely. So I think that enter enter the story is not exclusively about the Christmas story. I think enter the story is about the story of God, which is a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more interesting. Even though the Christmas story is awesome. Uh, so don't get me wrong. Um, so if, if we're thinking story, story of God, am I rumbling? Okay, good. Because <laughs> that'll be weird for me to ask that. Um, I just feel like there's like a bass roll going when I talk. Maybe it's just in my head. You always sound more masculine than your head, right? Uh, so uh, if you think story of God, like for me, it's helpful to break things down into really simple terms. So. We're, we're thinking the uh, the story of God. Here's here's how I would do it. Um, God made everything, and it was perfect and good. And then um, man, who was created in the image of God, sinned, and everything got messed up. And then God steps in and fixes everything and makes it new again. Um, so for me, I, to think in, in three large segments, God made everything and it's awesome, man messed everything up by sinning, and now God has uh, fixed everything again and made it like it was in the beginning. Um, to me, that's the story of God. Now, there's a lot of details within there, uh, left a few things out, uh, but, but big picture, I think that's the story that uh, Advent is about entering into. It's about us finding our place in that story. Um, so... So within each of those things, you know, so you have uh, in the beginning there was God and uh, there was the, the Trinity, uh, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit um, created the world. And so uh, just by speaking, which is pretty awesome if you think about it. So just by speaking, everything that we see around us was created. Um, there isn't a single thing that's here that we're seeing and that we're sitting on and that we're uh, the instruments that are being played, and I mean, everything around us was made from something that God made then, or some sort of forming of two things that he's made or whatever. So God made everything, and it was awesome. He made man and made woman, and there was something unique about them. They were made in his image. So here's this God who makes everything just by speaking, and yet when he, when he makes Adam and he makes Eve, um, there's something unique about them. They were made in his image, just like any son or daughter is the image of their parent. I mean, there's there's a connection there. There's a likeness that's there. Um, and so that existence was good, and it was wonderful, and they lived in uh, this garden. And he provided everything that they would need, and that relationship was incredible, and everything was just right. And so then you move to the next part when things got messed up, because um, those children that God made in his own image and formed them and loved them and provided for them, uh, there was only one thing that they weren't supposed to do. There was just one tree they weren't supposed to eat from. 
and you probably know the story. They ate from it, and uh, and that changed. I changed everything. And now this might seem, you know, like I know I'm not doing like you know, six year old chapel, you know, at some school somewhere. So like, I'm not trying to do it like that. What I'm what I'm trying to do is to help us understand uh, where Advent fits into things. So God made everything, and it's good. Um, Adam and Eve choose themselves over God, which would be sin. And at that moment, when I say everything got messed up, that's where everything that we can't stand about the world, uh, that's where it all went wrong. So that's where, um, that's where poverty started. That's where um, greed started. That's where pride started and lust and um, uh, all forms of injustice. That's where genocide began. Uh, that's where earthquakes and hurricanes and all those kinds of things, that's where that goes back to. Um, that's where our hatred for snakes goes back to. That's where painful childbirth goes back to. That's where jobs go back to. You hate your job? Blame Adam and Eve. Part of the curse. Adam didn't have to work for any of the food, and now he had to work the land, remember? So jobs, that's where that came from. Uh, materialism, that's where that came from. Um, every disease that you can think of, the deterioration of the body, every virus, every uh, birth defect, every everything that you can think of that you hate about the world goes back to that point in the story. That's where it started. So God made everything and it was awesome, and sin messed everything up. So if you remember the story, when, when they sinned, they were ashamed, and they were hiding from God. And God put them out of the garden, and he separated himself from them. And then they had kids, and they had kids, and it just goes, you know, populates the earth. But that entire population was separate from God um, and unable to walk in the holiness with which they, they were created. The image of God they were created in had been changed and altered, and, and things just have been deteriorating ever since. It's been getting worse and worse and worse and worse ever since that point, um, and and so so there's that's the first the first part, and then that's the second part. So the third part of, of God coming in to fix everything that's that's when it really gets interesting for us in terms of of Advent. So the um, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit way at the beginning because they could look all the way to the, they could they know the end um, had a plan. And so here's here's my poor rendition of that plan. Um, they uh, they're like, okay, here's what we'll do: we'll make a promise to a dude named Abraham, and uh, we're gonna promise him that he's gonna have kids who have kids who have kids, and from him, there's this great nation that's gonna form. And so um, so we're gonna pr- make that promise, fulfill that promise, okay? Then take that nation that's formed and make them a promise that uh, from them is going to rise a leader, a, a Messiah, a Redeemer, who's going to um, uh, forgive and fix everything, um, redeem them, forgive them of all their sins. So, to me, that's the Old Testament. There you go. So they make a promise to Abraham to make him into a nation, and they do it. Make a promise to the nation to rise up, to rise up a Messiah, a Redeemer, a Savior uh, from among them who would then 
um, take care of things for the entire world. So it starts with one guy to a nation, and then back to another guy, and then to the world. That was the plan. And so, um, so what he started doing was God started communicating through uh, prophets and stuff. So he made the promise to Abraham, and then there's the nation. And so to the nation, he starts making promises. And here's, here's one of the texts that are, that are about the promise of the leader and the Messiah that's going to come up. Um, this is how he describes it. This is, uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but just listen. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. All right? Two times he's saying people are walking in darkness and then a light is going to shine on them. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in complete darkness before, but it is freaky. And I can only point to one time where I can really say I was in true darkness. And this is a really fast story. Well, I was in, in Israel and we were on this, uh, going through uh, Hezekiah's tunnel, which is a, a, t- a tunnel that was dug by, by men. And, uh, and water runs through it, and it's like this huge like engineering marvel of the ancient world or whatever. So we're going through this tunnel, and, and so you, you start walking through or whatever, and then like you're kind of like going like this, and there's water running. So you're standing in water. And we get into this tunnel, and eventually like you're, you're literally down like this. And there's water up to your calves, and like the... And you can hear people be like, oh, feel the walls around you. You can imagine them carving this thing, you know. Uh, you're in the middle of the earth at this point. And no one thought to bring a light. Because no one knew what we were about to go and do. Uh, as proof by all of our soiled shoes. Um, and so we're in there. And like I was all right for a little while. And then as it got smaller and it was pitch black. I mean, and there was when I say there's no light... Um, the people in front of me and behind me, bad news, because we just kept running into each other, and it was awkward. Like, you could not see anything. And so you're going out, and you're, like, feeling your way forward. You can hear people talking, and some people are freaking out, and you're hearing that, and it's just completely black. And it was it was absolutely terrifying. Uh, and I, I, mean, I tried to hold it in, you know, or whatever. But it was, like, it was just really, 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 really horrible. Um. And uh, eventually, like, we got to the point where, uh, like, your eyes kind of, a, you, you know, you're kind of like, oh, my eyes will adjust. Surely there's light in here somewhere. No. Uh, but then I remember I remember the point where I first saw light and uh, definitely, like, started to calm down. I'm not claustrophobic necessarily, but, it like, it was freaky. And to be in that kind of darkness and to have the smallest bit of light was such, just such an incredible thing. And so, so what... God does through Isaiah as he describes this time before the Messiah comes as people walking in darkness. Like fumbling through life, trying to figure things out, unsure of, of what to do and how to, how things are supposed to go. I mean, that's, that's his description of pre-Messiah life. So from the Adam and Eve sin point to the arrival and the advent of the Messiah point is, is darkness. God's is basically like walking in darkness. And so through Isaiah, he says, I'm going to read it again, says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. So the coming of the Messiah is like being in pitch black darkness. 
in every possible way. And this great light finally comes forward. Now here's the thing about Advent that is, you know, for us I think it's hard to understand because because we have the whole Bible sitting in front of us. And like we know all this progression of events, you know. Um, but imagine if you were in the generations where this story was being played out. That for years and years, for, for that promise to Abraham to be grown into a nation, and then the promises start coming through the prophets of the, this Messiah that's going to come, and you're walking in darkness, and your your sins, and you're confused, and this is the law, and all that stuff with the mirror that we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's the situation. And imagine like you're the one who lives an entire lifetime hearing about a promise that you never see fulfilled. So you get to the end of the Old Testament, and God had been speaking through you know prophets like Isaiah, and then like the the minor prophets that are in the back of the of the book, which has nothing to do with if they're important. It's just that the books, their writings are smaller. Um, you know, uh, Joel and Amos and those kind of books. He's speaking through the prophet and speaking through the prophets, and then he just stops. And there's this 400 or so year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you want to talk about darkness. I mean, at least you have prophecies, and at least you have God interacting with people and all kinds of stuff, and then he just stops. And all they have are the promises. All they have is being like, we're Abraham's kids. Like, God promised Abraham they'd be made into a nation, and we're proof of that nation. And so now our nation has a promise. All we can do is hold on to that. We've seen him make good on that one giant one. I mean, he got us out of slavery, did all these other good promised things too. He's done all this stuff. Um surely he'll make good on it. But I would imagine a couple generations into that 400 years might be kind of a struggle. And so Advent comes out of a, a lot of out of that, that kind of period there. Because what happened, um, and it's, it's, I don't know, difficult to like get into it in the time we have tonight, but there became this kind of this frustration that's there. Um, if you read Psalm 80, uh, there's a there, like there's David and he's going like, uh, "How long are you going to leave us hanging? How long are until you come and restore us and redeem us?" That's David. He dies well before the 400 year period of silence. And so in that silence, there just there came this this not frustration and anger but a, like a longing for the advent, the arrival of the Messiah. Um, this stirring that was there, and, not, and maybe not, I'm sure there are some that are impatient, but the general spirit of, of advent is one of like, uh, just like, please, when are you going like, to step in? When are you going to help? How long are you going to leave us in this condition? Um, but it's not a, long, a longing and expecting that's, real whiny, it's very faithful, it's very tired and frustrating, but how long are you going to let us fumble around in the darkness? And so they could not wait for the Messiah to arrive. And so Advent is about the arrival of, of the Messiah and the, the satisfying of that longing that had been there for so long for these people who've been clinging to these promises. And so when Jesus shows up, yeah, it wasn't how they thought, and he wasn't he wasn't the Messiah that they thought, and all those kinds of things. But 
It's a big deal. And a lot of times we look at the Christmas story and we realize what a big deal it was to them. But I think we have to recognize what a big deal it is considering everything that happened before in the story of God. That God made everything and it was good and then sin messed everything up and then God coming to fix it, I mean, this was, this was the igniting of that. This was the beginning of making all that stuff right again. So you go back to Adam and Eve and all that stuff, the death and the disease and the greed and the injustice and all those things that went wrong then, when the Messiah shows up, that's the beginning of making all that stuff right again. And so it's, to me, like it's just incredible when you think about like the opportunities that God has laid out in front of us as a church. Um, with Maison de Ami, with the Women and Children's Shelter, um, with uh, Breakfast on the Levee, uh, with Casa Hogar and the Angel Tree, with the Living Water International Offering. I mean, those are kind of the five like big things that we have going on. And every single one of those addresses those kinds of injustices and pains that started with Adam and Eve and walks into that situation and says, hey, um, the Messiah has arrived. The beginning of setting all that stuff right, it's, it's happened. That has been set in motion. So what a, what a thrill, you know, to be able to, to go to Maison d'Ami on Saturday and to sit down and, and share a meal with mentally challenged adults, many of whom their families have just said, hey, we, we can't take care of you anymore. To be able to look them in the eyes and be like, and, and not that you would necessarily say all this, but in your heart you're going, everything that's happened to you is going to be set right by Jesus. It's already begun. We talked about it a couple weeks ago about about the you know the what happens when we die and go and all that kind of stuff and how one day everything that's wrong with the entire world is going to be completely fixed. And we don't have to wonder if that's been set in motion yet. Because the advent of the Messiah has happened. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. So we move through the story. The Messiah shows up, and there's Mary and Joseph and the questionable pregnancy and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times what happens to us is um, we kind of lose sight of the significance of that. So I had you go to John 1. Remember what I read you from Isaiah. Uh, start at the beginning of John 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Okay, when you see that, it's talking about Jesus. Uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him uh, was not anything made that was made. All right, so everything I said about God creating everything and Jesus was a part of that, that's where that comes from. Um, but look at verse 4. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. As dark as this world gets, 
it cannot overcome who Jesus is and what he has done. We celebrate his advent, and that's got to be a part of what we do. And I understand how difficult it is to look at world events and look around our own city and look around our, some, our own families and sometimes look around our own minds and lives and, and recognize that. But we've got to keep that as a predominant truth. The darkness cannot and will not and never will overcome the light that Jesus brought into the world. So we can go to Maison d'Ami, we can go to the shelters, we can go to Breakfast on the Levee, we can go to India, we can go to Mexico, we can go to Haiti, we can go to all these places and walk in confidence, bringing light, walking in light. Keep going. Verse 6 says, there's a, a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. There's a whole sermon right there. When, when we go and we serve and we do things, whether it's this stuff on the calendar or it's just missional living in general and just loving people, uh, you're not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. I'm not the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. We've got to keep that in mind. I'll leave it at that. Look at verse 9. Though. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. I like how it says the true light, because it kind of implies there's some false lights out there. The true light. Verse 10. He was, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, okay, that be us, who believe in his name, that be us, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the, the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So you want to insert yourself into the story of God? That's where it comes down to. Everything was, everything was great. Everything got messed up. The redemption plan set in motion by the advent of the Messiah and here we are getting to say we're children of God. Now, here's, here's the problem. Uh, see, like my grandparents, uh, like I, people have different opinions about grandparents. Some people didn't know theirs at all. Um, some people did know them and kind of wish that they didn't, honestly. Um, but some people had, got, had the chance to know their grandparents and, uh, and find out that they were amazing. And I was just, I'm in that last camp. And uh, three out of the four of my grandparents have passed away. And one of the things that happens all the time when our family gets together is uh, stories come up about those grandparents who have, have gone ahead. And uh, it's funny because it's all reflective, you know. It's remember that time this, and remember how Mama would make it, make this, and how did she get it to taste, you know, how did she make it taste that way, and uh, just all these kinds of things, you know, that, and it's all just all these stories, but all of our stories always go this way. And our stories never go this way. Like it's always like, oh, I'm, you know, I miss, I miss her so much, I can't wait to hang out with her in heaven. It it only goes this way. It's like, man, those were great times. Gosh, I miss her. Gosh, I miss that house. All this kind of stuff. It never goes this way. And I think that's part of the problem with Christmas is that uh, Christmas tends to only go this way. Like it tends to only go to, to the nativity scene, okay, to Luke chapter 2. Let's say that. It always goes to Luke 2. 
a lot of times we, we forget the whole Old Testament, but we also forget what's going this way. And I, I read, uh, my brother has a really good uh, blog, and he, he goes to the seminary, and they're really just talking about all this stuff, and it's real interesting, and he points out, he says, you know, when, if we want to find out where we are in the story, and Advent helps us do that, we're, we're between the two Advents of Jesus. That Jesus showed up, Luke 2, all that stuff, set it in motion, but he's coming again, and we find ourselves in the middle. The middle of those two things. And what I take from that is that we tend to always look back at that first one and say, wasn't that so great, and how does that fit into my life now? And we should. Community groups this week, we're going to talk about that. Like, we need to do that. But it's almost like we need to also, like, we need to have one hand on that Advent and then this hand on the coming Advent. Because the thing is, he started making all those things right from Genesis 3 and sin. He started that process, but he's not completed it yet, obviously. And so by being in between those two things, we're able to look back and see Abraham and see the nation and see the Messiah come and see Jesus and who he is, and that propels us into what's ahead. That's that's how we can go into some of the dark places of the world and some of the dark places of our, our own existence and and confidently minister in the name of Jesus Christ because we know that Advent is coming. This one came, this one is coming. And so to be in the middle, on one hand we celebrate all that we know Jesus to be by being children of God, but we also look and we know not everybody's there, you know? That there are people still walking in darkness. There are people still suffering from disease and injustice and death and all those, those kinds of things. That he started the process, but it's not over with yet. And we play a role in how that moves forward. And so I think it's really important for us, if we're really going to celebrate Advent, for us to see the whole story of God from in the beginning all the way to the end where we are all countless worshipers sharing one song like we sang about a minute ago. That's why that song is one of my favorite Advent songs because it goes all the way through the story. And so as we go through the next you know, couple of weeks, I, I think it's really important that we not only look back to Luke 2, but we look all the way back and we also look all the way forward and we recognize where we are in between. And even when we sing songs, and we're going to sing two more songs before we go over there and, and eat together and stuff. Um, even some of the songs are a challenge because uh, some of those are these songs need to have both of those things in mind. That we're not just celebrating, yay, look, look at how much we benefit from who he is. We need to celebrate that. We can also say, hey, um, there are people out there who still need that redemption, who still need to walk in that light who are still going through that cave, feeling their way around life, fumbling through, wondering when something's going to change, and we're the ones who know. You know? And so Advent is, is the whole story, and if we're going to enter the story, that's the story we need to enter into, not just the nativity scene. It goes so much broad, more, more broader, not correct. It goes so much further than that in both directions. Uh, and so I hope, hope that... I uh, hope that it's helpful uh, to us. Let me let me pray. We're going to sing a little bit. Um, we're going to go.
Father, um, I'm just so grateful um, to be at this point in the story. Um, I think we probably all feel that way, you know, to, to be on this side of Advent, of the first Advent, to be able to say we're children of God, to be able to abide and to share in your life and to share in your mission. It's just incredible. Father, just help us help us to really to get it, you know, to really um, grasp more and more what it means to be located between the two advents of Jesus. Um, help us to, to look all the way back and all the way forward. I pray that as we look back that our our understanding and our just adoration for you and our just love for you would grow. And also as we look ahead, that we would walk in confidence, but we'd also know that there are people all around us um, who are still in darkness, like I said, and um, that there is another an advent that has already happened for them, and there's another advent coming. Um, so, God, we just, we're just grateful. Thank you. And I uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.